You alright? This is Pause for Four on Threshold.fm and it's the last week of October so that means it's got to be week four of my monster month and seeing as it's Halloween tomorrow we've got some scary songs and all so see if you can guess any of them in the live chatting on the Threshold FM Discord while I'm you know spieling through what I've got to get through here. So far we've had small monsters you know like gnomes, huge monsters like uh, the Loch Ness Monster and the Champlain Monster Champ. Monsters that lurk in the night, like werewolves. And this week, we've got the biggest monster of them all. The ones that don't need the veil of night to attack. They'll use it, but they don't need it. And they're no bigger than you or me. Of course, this week, in our nonsensical radio show of tenuous facts and figures, we will be putting the nonce into nonsense, as this week... We're looking into paedophiles. There are times in your life when paedophiles aren't scary. When you're young and you've never heard of a man in a van with a bag of sweets and once you've turned 18 until you have your first child because obviously after the age of 18 you're not really desirable by them anymore by definition. Now I'm not trying to. I'm not going to be taking the piss. Obviously, I probably will be a little, but not, not in the sense where I'm. I'm taking the piss out of the pedos, innit? If anything, that's what you got to remember there. Like, and if this reminds you of something horrific that happened to you, then please remember that my intention isn't to remind you of something horrific that happened to you. I don't know you, and if I do know you, and this is something that happened to you, still. I would, you didn't cross my mind, man, when this was going through me head. And with a bit of the, the pleasancies out of the way there, you know, I reckon that many of my handful of listeners are wondering, where is it I'm going with this, you know? And as with every other week, you know, I'm, I'm not sure myself, but I don't think that having gnomes, lake monsters and werewolves in a monster month realistically are all that scary. So with it being Halloween and the listeners here realistically should be adults, I figured I should discuss something truly scary. Because people themselves are scarier than any monster that you can come up with. Like There's that saying that goes something like, real life is worse than any fiction. And in my opinion, pedos are the best example of that. Obviously I don't mean like in the objective sense that they're the best. Not, I'm not. I'm not implying that there's different leagues of criminality. I want to make it clear that I think these people are the worst of the worst. Fuck it. It, it might not even all end up being about kitty fiddlers, but it'll be about things that creep into children's rooms or interfere with their lives in negative ways. So, with that settled, this show is stuff that scares kids. Avoiding things like uh, loud noises being scary to kids because they're, they're still scary to some adults so I suppose it depends a lot on context of the situation like for example at a fireworks display you're less likely to be scared of a loud noise whereas in the middle of the night say about half two in the morning let's say quarter to three you've been asleep for a couple of hours and you hear a loud knocking noise from inside your wardrobe then yeah fair enough that's freaky isn't it but that fear is only lessened because of your experience of the world so far. To a young kid, these loud bangs at a fireworks display could be scary. Either way, if it if it doesn't know what's going on but that bang in the wardrobe, 
that's that scary either way, isn't it? Other things that are scary at either age are things like, you know, um, choking alone in a room or one of those, um, you know, like when, you, when you're coming out of the shower and if you've got one of, you know, a tiled floor, one of those sort of whiplash-inducing slips where you think, fucking hell, I'm going to crack my head open. And in that fucking, like, half a second of you thinking, I'm going to crack my head open, you, you've reached for everything. You've pulled the sink off the wall. You've you've grabbed the towel. You you know, that's, that's scary, isn't it? Sitting on a toilet without a seat, staying in the bathroom, you know, that's something that's that's a scary experience for anyone because it takes you by surprise, doesn't it? You don't know what's going on. Why has that happened? But everyone pretty much seems to grow out of the bogeyman. Uh, well, we'll try and keep it PC in it because this is going to be an hard one to keep PC. So we won't call him the bogeyman, or I'll try my best not to. We will call him the bogey person. It's, I think it's important, you know, to try and keep abreast of uh, them sort of things, you know. Like there wasn't a wear man, was it? You know, uh, I, I did merfolk, so I might as well do bogey people. Um, uh, the, the bogey people, bogey person, is a story that's spread all around the world. We can all imagine one as well, isn't it? Like a shadowy creature imbued with claws and a vicious temper that wants nothing more than to consume young children. Well. Did you know that there are believed to be three types of bogey person? There's the type that exists just to scare bad children. Like a... You know, like a... Like Santa's naughty list, I guess. But as a demon. Um, a, a, there's a type that wants to kidnap and devour kids. Just generally. Which, again, pretty demon-like. And also a third protective bogey person that... Look after the innocent and only harm those that are evil. Like Spider-Man. This got me thinking that they sound somewhat close though to the interdimensional beings. But it also got me thinking about a, a different type of monster. A group of monsters that were released to the world in the mid-90s to late-90s, I think. 97? Off top of his head? Digimon. A cartoon series all about monsters that only existed in the digital world, that were fully aware of what was happening in our world, yet the humans were somewhat unaware of them, at least on the whole, like some people knew what they were, but not many did. Um, I can't but think as well, were Pokemon released a year prior as a sort of corporate retaliation to the idea of someone teaching children about these monsters? The only reason it reminds me of Digimon rather than Pokemon is because there are three types of Digimon, these virus, data and vaccine. Bit nerdy, I know, but you know, people know things, I know this. <laughs> and these seem like uh, one word descriptions of these three types of bogey person. You've got data, that's just information. That's the bogey person that scares children in order to teach them a lesson. You get a lesson through information. Then you've got virus. They're the bogey folk that just want to kill and eat the children, or in other words, destroy the children, like a virus would. Then you've got vaccine, and a vaccine, you know, they just want to protect and look after the children, that bogey person. Very, very strange little connection for you there. In the countries colonised by Spain and Portugal, the bogey people are referred to as the Sackman, a character who comes across with, um, I don't know, he just seems to be treated not with the same sort of fear, really, when you think about it, as the, as the bogeyman. The bogeyman seems to appear out of nowhere, whereas the sackman seems to be like an actual physical being with a bag on his back who comes and removes children in the night time. 
the but the Spanish American interpretation of the creature though is pretty weird because that's a small undead child with red glowing eyes that was the victim of abuse of some description that comes back to punish children that refuse to fall asleep like that's fucked isn't it that that's a fucking weird weird little thing to have like as a thing to 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 teach kids like I don't understand what the what what they're trying to teach there because that's the idea that if you have something horrible happen to you then you'll be stuck in this forever like that's mad that's horrible anyway, I, I want to make another point anyway I've always found it weird that as a threat to a child that's struggling to sleep anyway that your parents hit you with threats like that that's that's you know I mean like they come at you with threats I don't mean they hit you and threaten you at the same time although some parents probably do after they've had you know enough of it but there was no comma in that sentence they, they, they just hit you with threats you see how careful I'm trying to be <laughs> I'm trying to be so careful uh, but the idea that the way you would lull a child to sleep is to tell them that there's a monster inside the bedroom that no one else can see until it decides to show itself that's fucking mental like why who thought that was like something oh my kid can't sleep so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell him that there's a a shadowy creature with claws like the length of, of ne like nine inch nails. He knows what they are, like. and it's it's got it's got talons on its feet, and its eyes glow in the dark. And all it wants to do is eat you. But if you don't go to sleep, but if you go to sleep, it won't eat you. Like a kid's that stupid that a kid would fall for that, going, oh, okay, okay, I'll go to sleep immediately. Then I won't be able to sleep. I think if someone at the point I'm in now with my brain, I don't think someone could come in. Oh, Someone I know, let's make it even more likely to happen. Someone I know said to me, I'm pretty sure that there's a there's a monster in that cupboard there. And uh, he's going to come out in the night and attack us. I couldn't go to sleep knowing that. I couldn't go to sleep knowing there was a fucking wild animal in the bedroom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, how are kids supposed to... Anyway, I've, I've gone far from where I was going with this. Like, if a, if a stranger told you your kid this on a bus like if you're just on the bus you know you're on the 11 you you know you're on your way to let's say like stop up for example there's a bus route i don't know and you're on there and this guy gets on and he's you know he looks normal he's fine you know just got a tracksuit on you know with normal haircut you know not not like mine uh, someone that you look at and you're like oh i'd trust him to you know probably walk me dog if i paid him i trust him to bring it back might not trust him with me house keys, but he, he seems alright, you know, like a sound lad. And he starts telling your kid, oh, did you know there's monsters that live in your wardrobe? If you don't do what your mum tells you, then monsters will come and have you. I'd be fucking well annoyed, I'd, I'd go mad at him, me, I'd, I'd kick off me, I'd want him off that bus. Don't know if I'd start a fight with him, you know, he, from me, the description I've given him, he sounds a bit harder than me, so I wouldn't want to scrap with him, but I'd definitely want him off that bus and away from me kid. But if, if, you, if your mum tells you this stuff, that's fine. In the eyes of everyone, that's perfectly fine. It's a bit of innocent fun. Mentally scarring a kid for life and, and leaving him in perpetual fear that bad things happen in bedrooms. It's fucked me. And and sometimes, though, bad things do happen in bedrooms, but I can't imagine that most parents teach their children about the bogeyman and the practically unknown, possibly deadlier bogeywoman uh, in the hopes of uh, teaching their children about the risks of what Nambler referred to as intergenerational relationships. It's more than likely after a few years of having kids just talking constantly that you're going to want quiet 
But one night, so you let slip about the monster in the airing cupboard lurking in your little boy's bedroom, whilst over the course of a few months then snowballs into your kid being scared of Joseph in year five because, you know, all the other kids in school have been making jokes about him being in the closet. So before you know it, you've created a bad relationship with your newly homophobic son. Anyway, I have really gone off uh, topic massively, so let's get a song on. This one is a classic. Uh, we're all going to know some of the words, I'll admit, I didn't know them all. I don't think there's any other time other than Halloween that you can play these sorts of songs. So, bearing in mind this is supposed to be a show that's things that scare kids, here's your first song. That was a bit of Rolf Harris. Artist, musician, entertainer, animal lover, child molester. Important to finish on that one. And Old Man Harris leads me on to another figure that seems to have been around forever. The, the Pied Piper. We all know the Pied Piper said he'd remove the rats in return for payment, but I thought we'd pick this apart a little bit. We can imagine that these wild rats were riddled with diseases, as the original telling of the Pied Piper story is from about 100 years before the Black Plague, like give or take a decade. So I can't help but wonder if the Pied Piper was an alien. Oh, bear, bear with me. He's described as wearing brightly coloured clothes, being able to use music, aka vibrations, to lure a whole species of creature away to what I presume was its death. But what if the Pied Piper isn't actually about rats at all? What if the Pied Piper was a godlike entity that offered its power to the rich and wealthiest people of the area to rid them of their so-called vermin? which could be deemed to be the peasants of the area. This would be seen to vastly improve the area and would tie in with the idea that seems to be in a lot of conspiracy theorists' minds of a population cull occurring every hundred or so years. Almost like the Earth exists on a hundred-year cycle rather than a 365-day cycle or even a four-season one. Almost like there's a metaphorical dark period every hundred or so years. Well, either way, in the story of the Pied Piper, the rich didn't pay up, so the Piper came back and placed all the local kids into a trance and walked them away, never to be seen again. Though, the Piper did supposedly leave all of the disabled kids, deaf ones, which makes sense, because they wouldn't hear the, the songs, blind children, which makes a lot less sense, because they can still hear the music, though I don't get why a blind child wouldn't be able to follow the sound, because... Like, they would have adapted to be blind. Like, just because they're blind doesn't mean they can't do stuff, you know. And also, what seems to be historically called lame children, which I'm guessing means they've got some form of mobility issue, which, to be fair, makes sense if that's the case. You know, I think this was in the 1100s or so, the 1200s. I can't imagine it was easy for them to get around if they had issues walking and that, so maybe they wouldn't follow, but... I don't understand though, because can you see now why I think the Pied Piper was an alien of some sort? Maybe an interdimensional alien? If the only reason they couldn't be convinced to follow is because of the way that they perceived the world being totally different, then it makes sense that it could have been the actions of a monster from a different dimension. Perhaps even the very creatures responsible for harvesting negative emotions from Earth as are believed in by some people today. Now it's weird that there are, so, there are stories 
peppered through history of mass kidnappings of children like this. Obviously though it's a good way to fuck up a town or village if you can remove a whole generation. Maybe this really did piss off the Pied Piper and he was less like an ethereal uh, E.T. Uh, and he just went home. Uh, a, a more of a, a vengeful yet overly malicious punisher type character. Maybe he took the children so that he could train an entire generation of people to fight their own people. Like a coup. A military coup. But on top of that, he walked them to his homeland to grab the army from there. To return with these now unrecognisable children. And legions of angry musicians to attack over uh, at Hamlin. Which is where the Pied Piper is said to have done this. The weirdest bit about all of this though isn't the idea of uh, aggressive buskers breaking skulls in an act of retribution for their fellow artist who was working a little side hustle as a pest exterminator, but the weirdest bit is that according to historians, this was a thing that actually happened, like this isn't folklore, according to historians this is a thing that actually happened, but nobody knows why it happened or who did it, so we don't have any evidence realistically for it other than drawings and stories except historians accept that this is something that most likely definitely happened which is weird isn't it like it's mad where they'll draw the line at what what could have happened and what couldn't have happened because to me that seems quite unbelievable that you know mr fuji's there with his little pokey flute fucking <whistles> like that and all the fucking kids come trotting out except for the deaf blind ones and ones that can't get about that easily it's mad but it is strange though that there's overlaps between the Pied Piper and the Bogeyman. But there are other little crossovers and all, you know. You could see this as some form of allegorical story about ritualistic sacrifice. Something that, again, seems to repeat throughout history. One thing that genuinely scared me as a kid was Freddy Krueger. Fucking terrified me, mate. Scared the shit out of me. Now, I know you're probably thinking that I'm not old enough. Because at the time of recording this, I'm only 26, innit? So it wasn't about when I was a kid. Like, it wasn't... A popular film it had been and gone yeah it shouldn't have affected my childhood but it did unfortunately i was shown nightmare on elm street 3 dream warrior when i was about eight years old or so at a cub camp i was spending the weekend at a cub camp and we watched it on video and it did it freaked me out mate it was horrible i didn't sleep properly for a couple of months after that and i don't think i slept for about four days initially um i had no idea what freddie did in regards to uh, raping and molesting children like that, like he, what he is shown it, you know, that's why he became what he became. I think my understanding of it is, but I did understand that he could attack you in your dreams and that he would become stronger the more you believed in him or the more you thought about him. I also understood from the film that he could enter the living world and that he could mess with it, which really fucking terrified me because I was aware of him. I was only eight years old. I didn't know that it wasn't properly real. I was thinking maybe things like this exist. And thinking about it now, I'm wondering if that's where my obsession with trying to find out what's real comes from. In one way or another, that time at a cub camp was probably traumatic to me, I, I assume. Like, luckily not for the reasons that are normally, uh, you know, traumatic for people at, at cub camps. It's, albeit, though, it still does involve a sleepless night and a well-known paedophile. The world's weird, isn't it? Freddy is like the ultimate bogey person though, and uh, this bogey person isn't the only thing that attacks people in the night. You've got sleep paralysis demons too. Remember that advert where the green gooey creature uh, latches onto that bloke's chest because he's got a chesty cough? Well, I put it to you that the creators of the advert for that cough remedy were actually trying to ready people for the idea of sleep paralysis demons for their return.
into like modern culture. The nightly attacks that people have reported throughout history usually resemble what is in modern culture at the time. So it used to be scary animals like bears and wolves and I don't know, maybe the odd boar. Vampires, that reigned for quite a while. Uh, alien abductions through the 20th century. But now it's it seems to be back to sleep paralysis demons and maybe it's it always has been. Maybe it's always been all of them. I don't know. I don't, it's hard to say, in it? But realistically, which one seems like it's going to be closest to the truth? I'd say it's difficult to decide, isn't it? Because, for example, the animals could produce a pheromone that could make you hallucinate whilst it attacks you. There's no reason why it couldn't. It's not impossible. It's not, you know, ants create pheromones, so why couldn't a horrible animal do that? Or they might have spores of magic mushrooms in the fur which made people hallucinate whilst they were attacked. The vampires might be real. They may just be able to release some form of hallucinatory anticoagulant from the mouths in the same way that we humans produce amylase to break down the proteins of our food. The vampires could also be breaking down their food, though maybe they need to instill fear in the victims to get all the nutrients that they need out of the blood, otherwise surely they'd release some form of chemical that just puts the victims to sleep. Though they're supposed to be evil, cold, horrible psychopathic killers aren't they so maybe they just don't care maybe they've evolved to not not have to do any of that at all alien abduction seems realistic as in the witnesses see things that resemble humans less than a vampire does but not as much as an animal it doesn't resemble a human whilst also hearing and seeing technology around them though during the heyday of alien abductions a lot of tv and radio was saturated with stories of aliens and ufos but that might be part of it. Maybe whatever it is that exists that lives to torture children uses media to prime people to accept stories of these events so that if they experience it, they accept it as it's something that happens to people. Whereas if you haven't experienced it, you merely put it down to people being hysterical because of too much stimulation from the tellies. It's all sort of perfect. Even if you take into account the story of Freddy, in the last one, he be he comes into the real world. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like I can't remember. I honestly can't remember the name of it. It's not one of the like Nightmare on Elm Street's proper ones. It's one of the the later ones. It's like a like a fourth wall breaking film. It, it it's through through Wes Craven's depictions though of the film, and like I say, it breaks the fourth wall in it, and the demon is gunning for the actress. So in the film, you've got the actress. Is playing who's in it is playing the actress who played Nancy in the in the original film I think and or the actress who played Nancy's child or something I don't know it's a fucking years since I've seen it it's a bit of a an hard one to follow especially when you're watching it again in your head from memory so could this have been the whole you know the the film itself could it have been one last ditch attempt at Wes Craven getting the message out that if people begin to believe in these things that they will start to happen or exist. Could Jason X be all about how the big quote-unquote they decided to bench their monster, their bogey person, until the future where they'll release it again to see if it'll work that time? Because in, in Jason X he's frozen isn't he? and for some reason they've thought oh yeah we'll take this thing on the spaceship to colonise somewhere, a murderous rampaging mummy's boy that as a mad head 
you know, he's, he looks... Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want him on there, would you? And he's a big fucker anyway. Imagine the weight he's taking up. And obviously he escapes and he fucking kills everyone on the ship. But getting back to the big they, like, what is their monster? And what are they trying to appease? I don't know. But I do know it's time for another song. That was Gary Glitter, leader of the gang, and you're listening to Threshold FM. I bet this is the best Halloween episode of anything ever. Everyone's scared at this point, aren't they? Like, children are nervous, uh, you know, children are a bit scared because some of the stuff, the bogeyman, you know. Some adults, some adults are a bit scared. The owners of the radio station. The host's definitely nervous <laughs> at this point, you know. I, I don't know why, but... All this stuff feels like stuff that we can't really talk about. And I understand it's not nice stuff to talk about, but in a time where it seems acceptable to have a favourite serial killer, it still seems taboo to talk about paedophiles. And I think it's because of the weight it has behind it. Some people will forgive murder, you know, under the certain circumstances. A lot of people will forgive burglary. People forgive for things that happen in wars. War crimes occur, but people forgive. People do forgive. But I don't think that there is, realistically, anyone that will forgive a paedophile. No one will forgive a pedo. And that means that throwing it about willy-nilly, slapping it about the place, can land you in trouble. And so can branding people a paedophile if that hasn't been convicted of any sexual crimes towards children. It's, it's a brand that sticks, so even if you say so-and-so is a, is a dirty kiddie fiddler, and they're not, people will take that as sort of gospel, which is weird. Like, they'll just accept that that's a thing. Like, oh, they must be, because why would someone say it if they weren't? Do you know what I mean? So you can't just throw it around, and I think that's why it's a, a taboo subject. I think it's why people are nervous to talk about it. And it, I'll be honest, mate, I'm... I don't feel, I, I thought I'd be okay talking through my script here, but already, like, I'm, I don't know how this is going to go down, but I have to see. Uh, stepping away from this ever so slightly, we'll, did you know where Halloween stems from originally? It's, it's supposed to be All Saints Day, but really, it stems from the end of the Celtic calendar. And in the Celtic beliefs, they saw that night, Halloween, tomorrow night, 31st of October, as the point in time where the walls between worlds were weakest. A night where magic with a K was possible. A night where ghosts and ghouls could enter our plane of existence. Interdimensional beings, essentially. Now, there is another folky belief surrounding magic with a K, and that someone born as the seventh son has the potential to use magic. The closest I can find of someone being the seventh son, who fits into the show at least, is Jimmy Savile. He's not the seventh son, but that doesn't stop people on the internet from suggesting it, at least. Uh, realistically, he was the seventh child. Still a feat for the mother, the Duchess, as he called her. Now, I've brought up this fella because he was a notorious nonce. The notorious nonce of the North, you, you could call him. I don't know if that was ever thrown about. It should have been. Load of ends there, you know, it's quite nice. There's, there's loads of weird shit, though, about this guy, you know, and if you go searching for it on the internet. There is a lot of odd, odd things. Uh, like, uh, especially if you've had the pleasures of finding that YouTube documentary 
uh, titled Was Jimmy Savile a Wizard? A video full of information. I'm not, I'm not sure if what they say is all true or if it's all based in fact. I mean, there's information in it, don't get me wrong. I don't know if it's linked to what they say it's linked to, but they seem, you know, there is information there. And I think at this point, as well, for researching for the show, I've googled more than enough things about paedophiles and things that scare children to disgust whatever poor person whose job it is to sit at a computer and watch my life kind of thing, like if they exist whoever's sat like it, for example at the FBI, sitting watching if it's America or you know we maybe are British Secret Service or whatever, maybe they've got loads of people underground and they um, they or prisoners maybe, maybe prisoners are forced to sit at computers and look at everyone's search history. But getting back to Jimmy himself, I mean, he's a he's a scary guy. He is he's like to find out about and to try and learn about that guy. He's, he is a scary guy, but I he looks like the sort of person that a a single mother would threaten a child with, you know. And that's just off how he looks. That's you can just look at a picture of him, obviously, and be like, I'll fucking set Jimmy on you, you know. It, you have him down the road, you you don't really need, you don't need a church if you've got him down the road. I mean, that's not in the, I'm not saying that because people at church may be also likely to molest a child. I, I mean it in the sense that you use church as a way of threatening a kid without actually threatening him. See, like, you, if you don't behave, Jesus won't come back at Easter and you won't get any Easter eggs. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you just use Jimmy, the existence of Jimmy alone. The mysterious neighbour, do you know what I mean? The one that your mum tells you will come and get you in the night if you act up. Well, little did the people at Leeds know that that's exactly what he would have done. And what exactly, what he went on to become, you know. A bloke that literally revelled in his actions. He fucking openly gloated about his actions on TV and that. But nobody seemed to react to his admissions of guilt. Obviously, it's easy to say anything in hindsight and, and make it fit what you're saying. I think my past few shows have proven that, that you can look back at something retrospectively and try and fit it into a narrative, but there's a lot of weird shit the guy admitted to in interviews in such a relaxed way, like it didn't mean anything, but something else that makes Jimmy weird is, if you believe everything he says about himself, now he, he actually comes across as someone that doesn't fully understand either the English language or what being a person is, not just in the moral sense, because obviously that's that's quite apparent, but it's it's just these little statements, man. Like, for example, I watched one of a clip of him, and he described himself as having antipodean eyes and antipodean eyes, and that means that his eyes see everything upside down because he's looking at a painting that's just been pit done by uh, it turns out Ralph Harris, but. It's just a drawing of supposed to be Savile, and he's he's looking at it, and he's like, oh, can he's like, oh, you haven't even looked at it properly, and Jimmy reacts with, I've got antipodean eyes, and that's it, that's the end of it. You're like, you what? You fucking see everything upside down. What's wrong with you? How do you fucking function? How do you get about? It's something, I just seems odd about it, like the way that he would have an explanation for everything like that, where it's just nonsense, but people just went along with it, like. It's like he was literally something inside of a human body just using the meat and bones as like a fucking car. Do you know what I mean? There's something that gets weirder is when you find references of him being called King Solomon. But even weirder is when you take a look into King Solomon and some of the beliefs surrounding him. Now, it was believed that King Solomon was able to trap and use the jinn to his own ends. The jinn, uh, an interdimensional being, 
believed in in most religious texts. Not as in, uh, you know, uh, when I say that he used the jinn in, in, to his own ends, I don't mean he used it like as a lift to his mum's house as a kid, but in a way of controlling them to do his bidding, which again is, is reminiscent of Digimon, innit? And the bogey person from late, earlier on, sorry, Solomon was the king, the son of King David, the fella that took out a, a giant, you know, he slayed the giant, which in itself has ties to aliens and the original races of the earth and loads of other old ancient stories. But the idea behind the djinn itself seems to be that they're a mystical creature, just as complicated as humans are, except they're invisible to us, acting in a different vibration to us. Something I wonder is if the ring of the earth that Michael Challenger talked about, has that been damaged in some way, like, could whatever makes this sound that resonates, could that be dirty or damaged? Like, imagine if you crack a bell, if you if you break a bell and hit it, it's going to make, and you really study the noise, it's, you're going to hear two different noises coming off of it at least. So it could be whatever makes the vibration that is the the so-called, like in some religious text they call it the OM, don't they, the OHM. Whatever that is, could that have been damaged, or is it become dirty, rusted, whatever the equivalent of an interdimensional fucking chanting piece of equipment? However, that would be damaged. However, we, however that would be done, you know, is that is that what that's happened? And you know, we, these two separate tones making the two separate vibrations of the world. So, whereas if the if the so-called bell then was cleaned or repaired, would the sound resonate more clearly, and the humans and the jinn could align together? The idea of that yin and yang kind of thing, you know, maybe we're the yin and they're the yang or vice versa, you know, but realistically they're both the same shape, but they, together they make a, a circle, but they may be able to easily just slot together. Possibly, though, rising up against whatever it is that damaged the earth for whatever reason it damaged the earth for. I mean, imagine if we did all tie work together. Like, imagine, like, an army of jinn, like what King Solomon supposedly had using these little amulets and stuff that controlled them again like a fucking digivice or a pokeball you know that can hold this this monster that can become light itself contain it it's mad meat either way it's weird it's weird that Savile would be referred to as king solomon even stranger i guess is how he would be compared to the magician alistair crowley even going as far as to pose like him in pictures and publicly emulating him in various ways by like I said, copying his poses in photographs, but he wasn't the only one doing that. A lot of other celebrities at the time seemed to be doing them poses, so I can't help but think, did that pose come from somewhere else? Was it already in popular culture at the time? And was that their way of trying to just appeal to people and seem normal? Because, like I say, you know, as I say all the time, it could just be a coincidence. Either way, though, you know, he fucked kids. Um, I, I, I thinking back, I'm, I, I'm not sure if Crowley did that at all. What Jimmy wanted was absolute power, and Crowley's personal mantra um, he also used as his own, which was, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. So, for a bloke that was super intelligent, not just because he was getting away with such horrendous crimes, but because he was literally immenser, but either way, for a smart guy, it seems like he just took other people's ideas and used them for his own, which is what he's actually said about interdimensional beings. That's something that's said a lot about them. They don't have their own ideas of force. They just use someone else's. So that seems like a, a nod towards a link there. Tenuous, I know. 
and again you know I'm being very careful that uh, our our word things with this that was R Kelly with world's greatest and you're listening to pause for thought on threshold FM now I'm not gonna lie guys I'm gonna tell you the truth because if you was to see the the recording that I've done of this the video recording anyway you would fucking learn I've um I've run out of script now I don't know if I've gotten a bit carried away here with this and spoke very quickly but I've got like 10 minutes to fill here so I don't quite know where I'm gonna go with this so I'm gonna I thought I'd talk about some some scary things that I'm aware of just off top of my head and I thought I'd start with what's the closest I think I've ever come to experiencing a ghost so I would about I was about 15 years old and I was in a uh, bedroom my my mum's house my mum and dad's house and I was playing cod I was playing Call of Duty online on PlayStation normal night you know I never really used to go outside at that age and um she could be why I thought I saw the ghost and anyway the I was talking to my mate online, you know, through the little headpiece, and I had this weird thing happened where the door, the bedroom door, looked like it moved, but almost like the wall moved away from the door, like the wall moved back a bit from the door. It's hard to explain. And then the the um, in that gap that was now visible, there was a light. I would describe it as a light. A light reminiscent of the sort of, you know, in Simpsons where Mr. Burns is glowing and running round the forest. A little bit like that, but it wasn't a person. You could see it weren't a person. And it looked like it moved. It sort of became lower and then higher again. Which immediately, for some reason, I interpreted that was its head moving to expose its shoulder. To expose its head again. Then... I thought this is fucking weird. I think I said to me mate on the microphone at the time, I something weird's going on, mate. Yeah, but you know, what well, let's see what happens. And what I did was, I did what's possibly in the eyes at least of people into this sort of stuff. I did what's probably one of the dumbest things I could have done. And I said, if there's something, if there's someone there, something there, do something funny. Make me laugh. And without a word of a fucking lie. I heard like that, I hope the microphone picked that up, or maybe it picked that up better, I don't know. But the latch on the airing cupboard, which you had to twist to undo, it wasn't like one of the ball bearing ones, it was like a mortise lock that you'd have on a front door, but on an airing cupboard. That opened, literally bounced off the wall, the, the door, the door handle, and a towel fell out of the airing cupboard and landed, sort of coiled, like when you'd coil it to whip someone with it. Coiled, landed around me glass of coke. Seems like a weird thing to say, glass of coke, but I remember it was a glass of coke because that's pretty much all I'll drink. Uh, I don't really drink juice or water, I drink milk and coke and coffee, that's pretty much it. So it was night time, it was a glass of coke. I could see it fucking clearly in my head, and I looked back at the door, and there was nothing there anymore, the door was, it was all normal. And I'm lying there, and I'm looking around, and I just say to me mate, I went, mate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Obviously, I referred to him by name, but I'm, I'm off me, I'm off me. I just turned it off at the wall, straight downstairs, slept downstairs, 
Freak the fuck out of me, mate. Now, I don't know any other explanation there for what that was. That was a really fucking weird thing. That whole house, man, we had loads of weird shit happening in there. Like, my mum and dad experienced weird stuff. Like, they decorated the stairs one time and they were like, that looks nice, that done it. And they just heard this weird, ominous... Yes. Like, that come from up the top of the staircase, mate. Fucking weird. And I, I've never really been one to believe in all that side of stuff. Like, I'm fascinated by it, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I believe in it as such. But, like, that was a weird thing that happened to me when I was a teenager. That, that really freaked me out. Um, And it gets, it does get weirder, I guess. Like, you, when, if you would stay downstairs late at night, you would, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a weird sensation, I guess. It'd be the best way to explain it. Like you, like you're in the way kind of thing. Now, I was an only child, so you could understand why maybe I thought I was in my parents' way, but middle of the night, in the living room, when you're Todd, you, you're feeling like you're in something's... you're interfering with something. It's weird. You'd hear horses run past the house, which, that was fucking weird. There'd never be an horse there. You'd look, I'd look every time. Never see an horse. You'd hear it. You'd hear, like, the Doppler effect of it as well as it goes past fucking house. But nothing... And you could still be looking out the window and you hear it repeating, going back and forth and back and forth, or all other nights just keep going in the same direction. Now, it could have been a leaky drain pipe. Could have just been a pipe dripping down. I don't know. But realistically, how do you explain the towel thing? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it all, man. I don't know. But it's Halloween, and I thought I'd share that with you. Now, here's a little something, a little parting thought, if you like, for it. I think we're into, like, the last minute or so here. So here's a little parting thought for you. We can supposedly only see so much of the light spectrum and the sound spectrum. We can only sense so much. So odds are, there are actually other things living around you. Be it them gnomes, be it them lake monsters, interdimensional beings. Whatever you want to call them. They're probably there, mate. Probably knocking about. They probably couldn't give a fuck about you. Or about me. They might not like people finding out about them, but they probably already know that people are interested in them. There's probably ones of them. Imagine it now, some weird little... Oh, I haven't even told you this. I'm recording this from a cupboard underneath me stairs. I've said it all out like a little studio. But imagine it. Imagine a little interdimensional alien, you know. He's just there, a little little weedy one, you know, like myself. He's, he's, they've not grown their hair. They don't grow hair, do they? Because they're interdimensional beings. They just grow their foreheads. So he's grown his forehead really long, really tall and he's he's under the stairs and he's just wittering on about these these, uh, you know these people that exist, you know and these these, these Mancunians, you know and in this, in this world, the the Mancunians are forever at, at, at loggerheads with the Scousers and, and, and then they've, but as a whole they'll, they'll side together against against the Southerners and and other people are just like his, his parents are worried about him, his his girlfriend's on the verge of leaving him, and he he don't care. He's under his stairs and he's telling everyone about these these extra dimensional beings or these other other dimensional beings that exist. And I think I've padded out the show nicely there. You know, I think I've done quite well. So I'm the world around you. This was pause for thought, and this is all on Threshold FM. Don't forget, listen to tomorrow's show with me and Jimmy, 7 o'clock, live, no script at all, mate, not even realistically any research. 
hopefully you'll be listening then. I'll see you in a bit. This windmill here, and I've, I've repaired this clock powered windmill, and then I've replaced its sails that weren't didn't exist anymore with some rat skin. Look at him. Look at him go. We'll leave that music just in the background there to play. Here you are. Look at this. Bobblehead ducklings, mate. Real ducklings. Heads on a spring. I know it's coming up to autumn, but in half of the world it's springtime. Got ducklings heads for your fridge. Pop it, you know. Magnetic duckling heads. See, look at that. There's no fucking witchcraft or magic involved there. They're just magnetic. 